Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, hey, I'm excited. I'm excited you're here as we are continuing our uh, series, Quit Church. And we've got a lot of good things coming up. And we uh, have life groups. You heard about that. Life groups are coming up at the end of September. So be thinking now to get involved. And again, as you saw in the video, if you are interested in leading a life group, even have a hint of an interest, make sure that you mark your calendars for September 6th uh, for that meeting for life group leaders as we get pumped and roll into that. But I do want to just jump in today. Again, we're continuing the series entitled Quit Church, which is based on a book by a friend of mine. And I'll challenge you, if you haven't got this book yet, if you haven't gone out to Amazon or anywhere you get books, I would challenge you to go back and get this book. It's a great supplement to to what we're learning about, and it will be a a great resource to go back to. Because I don't know about you, but uh, there are some times I forget what was said on a Sunday morning even though I'm the one saying them. So we'll just throw that out there. So this book is a great way to to go back and really reiterate all that we're learning. Again, obviously this book, it's not talking about quitting church. It's not talking about quitting and not coming to church, but it's talking about quitting our mindset, changing the way we think about church, and really throwing off some of our old mindsets, throwing off some of our even old attitudes that, that we may have towards church, which comes from our main passage of Scripture for this series, which is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. So I challenge you to go there with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Again, if you don't have a Bible, we do challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app. It's an incredible resource, and if you have the Bible app, I would challenge you to highlight this passage of Scripture, right? Highlight this passage of Scripture, go back to it, make a note on it. But in this passage of Scripture, the author is talking to the the Jewish believers at this time period. Now, the Jewish believers at this time period, they were used to some religious traditions. They were used to some religious rituals. They were used to to some motions that they would have to go through in order to, to come closer to God. But the author's really telling them to, hey, to throw off these things, throw off this, these old mindsets, because really they entangle you with, and get you kind of caught and, and really take our focus off from Jesus. So this is what the author says here in Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, we're all called to run this race. We're all called to live a life and a plan that God has for each and every one of us. We're all called to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And to do that, what we have to do is we have to throw some things off that hinder us. We have to change some of our attitudes and our mindsets that we often carry with us, specifically about church, specifically about how we follow God. So we need to quit our old mindset of church. We need to quit church. And what we talked about, the main point of this whole series is to quit doing church the way culture says to do it and start becoming church the way scripture displays for us. And to do that, what we need to do is we need to quit some of those mindsets. We started off, we talked about how we need to quit the mindset and quit the expectation of church being perfect. Because the church isn't perfect. It's made up of, of imperfect people. It's made up of people who have flaws. It's made up of people who have baggage. So guess what? Sometimes the church has baggage as well. So instead of going to church, instead of expecting the church to meet your needs, what we need to do is we, start, we need to start meeting the needs of, of the church, meaning we need to start meeting the needs of others. So we need to quit expecting the church to be perfect. 
And then with our finances in church, what we need to do is we need to, we need to quit thinking that our money is ours. In fact, everything that we've been given has been entrusted to us. We need to quit thinking our money is ours and step up and become stewards that God has called us to become. And then last week we jumped in and we talked about how we need to quit just consuming church. We need to quit consuming and start contributing. Because the truth is we were all made to serve something bigger than ourselves. We all have these mindsets that we need to get rid of. We, ha- we need to, to change these attitudes and to throw those old ways of thinking, to throw them out the door. Right? We need to quit some of these attitudes toward church, which is what this series is about. Because if we don't, what's going to happen is we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out that God has for us on everything that God has for us individually, but also as a church. Everything God has for us collaborate, right? Big church, like big C church, like everything. God wants us to make a difference in this world. He wants us to make an impact so that nobody goes without knowing him. And we are that purpose. We are, we play that part. But to do that, we have to quit thinking certain ways. Because if we don't, we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out on all that God had for us. And today what I want to talk about, I want to specifically talk about how we play a part in God's plan to reach the world. And I want to talk about how we need to quit just expecting people to come to church and start bringing people to church. I want to talk about how we need to quit just, just hoping people will show up, hoping people will, will walk through those doors, but instead we need to bring people through the doors with us. Right? Quit hoping people will make a decision for Jesus and live their lives better, but instead give them an opportunity. Because here's the truth. God has a brilliant strategy to reach our city, and we are it. God has a brilliant strategy to reach this community. God has a brilliant strategy to reach your family, to reach your, your workplace, to reach your neighborhood, to reach your community, to reach your subdivision that you live in. Right? He's got a brilliant strategy to reach it, and you are it. We play a part. I am a part of it. Right? We play a part in the plan, and not only that, we are the plan. And what's crazy is there's no plan B. We play a part. We are the plan. And he's called each and every one of us to reach people, to reach our homes, to reach our families, to reach our neighborhoods, to reach our communities, to go beyond even, right? Not just to hope that people will come in, not just to expect people to come, but to put it on us, right? To own portions of that plan. And what this is, this is the great commission. And we see this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. So if you have your Bibles, jump there with me. But this is Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. And this is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus really instructing us on how to live. And this, at this point, this is after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So he had died on the cross, spent some time in the tomb, he overcame death, and then he comes back and he talks to us. How many of you know if if you're coming back and you're being resurrected and you have some words to say while you're here, they're probably some pretty important words, right? Like these are some important words. These are some things that Jesus thought through that he was planning and knew what he was saying when he said this. And this is what he says in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Here's Jesus. Died for us. He lived a perfect life, died for us, was resurrected so that he could conquer death, so that we could be connected with God. And then he comes back and he says this. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Right? Go and make followers. Go and teach them. Teach them to obey. Teach them to, to, to follow me as you're following me. Right? This is a command for each and every one of us. As we call ourselves a Christian, this is our duty. Now again, he's going to be with us, but it's still up to us. Right? It's still our responsibility. 
It's our responsibility to ask, to share, to go, and to make. Not just hope, not just expect, but we have to go. We have to invite. We have to bring. We have to give others the opportunity to follow Jesus, no matter what. No matter what our insecurities are. No matter what our fear is, no matter what our previous attitude towards church was or our previous thoughts of how we do this, right? In fact, those are the things we need to quit because God has a brilliant strategy to reach a city, and it's us. We are the strategy. We are it. God has a brilliant strategy to grow the church. He has a brilliant strategy to grow the number of people who follow him, to set free from addictions, to set free from any bondage that they may have, to set free from sin. He has got a brilliant strategy to reach it, and we are it. It's on us us. But we have to take action. We have to play a part. Now, let's just be honest, though. For many of us, this doesn't come natural, right? As I talk about this, you're thinking like, I don't know how to share my faith. This is weird. This is hard. Like, how am I going to do this, right? For many of us, it's scary to to invite somebody to church. It's scary for us to bring somebody to church with us. It's scary to even like say, hey, you know what? I, I go to that church. For some of that's a hard thing to do because it's really, it's kind of awkward, right? It's kind of weird for us. In the back of our minds, that moment we start to invite, that moment where there's the conversation leads to that point, we think like, well, what if they don't agree with me? Or what if, what if they think I'm weird because of it? What if they reject me because of it? Right? What, if they, what if they think church is weird altogether? Like, what if they think these things? And in that millisecond, we have all these thoughts running through our head. And for many of us, this is, this is where we freeze up. This is where we stop because we're not used to it, right? And listen, this happens to all of us. This is a normal feeling. Many of us, it's very uncomfortable to share our faith. Like, I've, sh- I've shared this before, but when I was in college, actually, I went to a Bible college, and I took a class on evangelism, and uh, evangelism is just, it's just sharing the gospel, it's sharing the good news of Jesus, it's sharing about what Jesus did for us. So I had this class on evangelism, and one of the things that was a kind of the, the practical way to do it, we actually had to share the gospel. And uh, each week, we had homework. We had to, to share the gospel. We had to share about Jesus with one person each week and then come back and report about it. The whole goal was obviously to, to lead someone to the Lord. The whole point was obviously to get somebody that would make a decision to follow Christ. Like that was kind of the goal of it, right? But really, it was just kind of this, this practice of going through this. Now, this was completely outside of my box. Now, for those of you that don't know, like I'm, I'm very outgoing, but I'm introverted at the same time. Like I find energy by being by myself, so I don't necessarily like being around a bunch of people. But I'll talk to anybody, but it just, it drains me. So this is one of those homework pieces, like I'm like, do I just take the F? Like, what do I do? Uh, I could pass the other courses, I'm good with it. But no, I decided to do it. And for me, like this wasn't, this wasn't an easy thing, but I, my college was in downtown Minneapolis. And uh, so again, it's a Bible college, so it's not like I can go share the Jesus with my, like, my roommates, although some of them might have needed them once in a while there, but, but I, you know, you're supposed to actually go out into the community. And I'm downtown Minneapolis. It's not the greatest part of town. So I saw, and what's great about that was that there's a lot of drunk people that just roam the streets. So for me, I'm like, you know what? This, is, this will be fine. I'll just share with drunk people. And like, you guys are thinking like, man, he's so spiritual. He's really trying to help these drunk people out. Let me just be honest, it wasn't because I was trying to help them out. It's because they're incoherent. And I knew that I could share something with them, and it took the fear away. In fact, I still, though, I remember going up to them, and I was still, like, they were basically passed out laying on a street bench, uh, and I'm sitting there talking to them, and I'm still nervous. I'm still stuttering over my words. I'm still mixing up my words. I have this fear, right? I think many of us, we have this fear when we want to follow, when we want to share about Jesus. I think it's something that we all can relate to, right? It's this mindset I think that we all fall into, and it's really this fear leads us to this mindset of hoping and expecting people to come, expecting people to show up instead of just bringing them. 
So I kind of, I kind of compare this lightly to the dating scene and to the dating game. Because again, if you, if you are single now, there's a, maybe, maybe you're fine with that and that's good, but maybe at some point in your life you're in your singer, you're thinking like, man, I really just want a date. I hope for a date. Now, if you're married, there's probably, you remember back when you're single and you're like hoping and expecting a date, right? But at some point, you had to get past that hoping and expecting, and you actually had to like ask somebody out. So how many of you guys remember the first time you ever asked a person out or got asked out? Nope, you guys don't remember at all? <laughs> there you go. I think we all remember it. For me, I'm just going to go and say it was, the, uh, it was the sixth grade year. Sixth grade was the first time I ever asked a girl out. And uh, there was a girl that I was friends with. And for a sixth grader, she was pretty cute. So I remember this. And I remember looking at her. I'm like, all year, I hope. And I kind of expected her to be my girlfriend. Now, again, I'm sixth grade. And I wasn't good at asking girls out. And to be honest, I never actually got good at asking girls out. I just got completely lucky with my wife, Sarah. But I never got good. So... I'm going through this, and it was sixth grade, and I'm thinking, like, man, I need to ask her out. So this is what I did. I did what any sixth grader would do, and I decided to write a note, because that's what you do in sixth grade. At least it was back in, like, the, the early 90s. That's what you did, right? You wrote a note, and you said, hey, will you be my girlfriend? Check, yes, no, or maybe. Now, really, you're hoping for the yes or the maybe. The no, I don't even know why you put the no on there. That shouldn't be an option. You're hoping for the yes or the maybe, and then you can just kind of roll from there. So I did this, and then I, I, I get this note together, and I get this, and I give this to this girl who I think is cute or cute. But before we do that, let's just go and look at what I was working with as a sixth grader. Listen, this is what I'm working with as a sixth grader. I was really hoping to get a girlfriend with that look, right? I was really, I mean, I probably wasn't expecting much. I probably shouldn't put any other options on there. But this is what I get. So I get this note, and I give this to this girl. And I watched from a distance. I have my friend kind of give it to her, and I watched from a distance. And her response wasn't yes, no, or maybe. Her response was laughter. I was like, man, but I would laugh too. So she looks at me, and she's laughing and stuff. I'm like, okay, so she thinks this is a joke. So best thing I can do right now is I can laugh, right? This was going into summer break, thank goodness. It was like the last day. It took me the whole year to get up the courage to even write that note. And then it was going into summer break, so I just laughed too. And then I walk out, so that was a funny joke. See ya. And we... <laughs> Right? That's what we did. But I think for many of us, that's what we feel like that. We feel like it's, it's the first time we're asking somebody out when we're sharing the news of Jesus, when we're sharing about our faith, when we're inviting somebody to church. And we'll put that picture up one more time. And the truth is, this is exactly how we feel when we share the gospel. I mean, we have this face of complete fear, not knowing what we're doing, not knowing where we're at, not knowing why we're wearing a silk shirt with a turtleneck on, right? <laughs> This is how we feel. This is the internal emotions of how we feel when we share the gospel. I'm, honestly, this is how many of us are. And we feel this awkward because we're just not good at it. Listen, in sixth grade, I didn't get that great at life, but I got a little bit better. I now do not wear silk shirts and turtlenecks, and thank goodness for contacts, right? Like, I got a little bit better at life. And it's because I practice that. There's things we have to practice at. And the truth is, sharing our, sharing our story, sharing about Jesus, evangelism, is something we have to to practice that. We're not good at anything we don't do a lot. I can kind of see Griffin this weekend. Uh, my, my son, he's uh, five years old. This past couple weeks, he actually learned how to ride the bike. So this is an exciting time for him. But the first day he gets on there and he just rides it. And he, for some reason, it just clicked. He's like, I want to ride the bike. So he's decided to do it. And what's crazy is the first times he got on the bike, he just starts riding and he falls down. Obviously, that's what kids do. So he continued just to fall. But what's funny is he continued to get up. 
He continued to practice. He probably spent three hours one night just riding his bike, continually to wreck. I mean, he rode straight into a bush. And of course, as being the good parents we were, it was funny, so we laughed. And then we asked if he was all right. But he did this. And like the next day, I mean, he is bruised all over. He looked terrible. But guess what? He could ride his bike. It took him one evening. It took him three to four hours of practice, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down. He continued to do this, but then he did this, and now he's better at it. And the same thing is true when we do this with, with evangelism. The same thing is true when, when we invite others. We have to practice at it. And guess what? There's some times where we're going to fall down. There's some times where we're going to get some bumps and bruises. There's some times where we're going to be rejected. There's some times where it feels like we got thrown into a bush. There's going to be some times where we may just get laughed at, and all we can do is laugh as well and just hope it's summer vacation, right? But we have to continue to practice. We have to continue to do it. We have to do it on a regular basis. See, each one of us is called to go and make disciples. If you look at that word, it's not say go and make one disciple and call it quits. You reach your standard of Christianity here. No. It's go and make disciples. It's plural. It's something we have to do on a regular basis. It's something we have to do continually. Right? That's the great commission. It's what we're called to do. God has a brilliant strategy to reach our community, to reach our city, and we are it. So we need to step up. We need to do it. Right? The church rests upon this. Souls are on the line. Salvations are on the line. And Jesus shows us how to do this. In fact, if you back up into Matthew, if you go to Matthew chapter 13, Jesus teaches and he gives us this incredible principle of how we can actually share the gospel. And one of his parables is called the parable of the sower. So if you want to bounce with me to Matthew 13, we're going to read verses 3 through 9. And again, here's Jesus. He's preaching and he's using a parable. And again, what a parable is, it's a story using illustrations to prove a point. So he says this. It says, Then, then he told them many things in the parable, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was, what was sown. Whoever has ears... Let them hear. So again, we read this and you're like, dude, that's a parable. Parables are confusing. But for them, it was something they could relate to. But we have the benefit of, of looking through the scripture because Jesus is preaching this parable. But if you jump down, he actually interprets it and he explains it here in verse 18 when he says this. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. All right, so let's break this down a little bit. If you look at this, the seed is the message. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the news and the story of Jesus. And as you read this, I want you to understand this. This is why we need to practice, because some of the seed that we throw isn't always going to be thrown on good soil. 
Right? Some of the times, it's not always going to work out the way we want to. Right? There's going to be some people that hear it and they don't understand, so it's not going to last. Right? There's going to be some people there where it doesn't really take root, so again, it's not going to last. There's going to be some people that hear it, but man, they're, they're kind of plagued by this worry, so again, it doesn't last. Right? There's, the seed that, there's the soil that's on the path. There's the soil that's on the rocky ground. There's the soil that's, that has the thorns among it. But understand this. There's also the good soil. There's the good soil that when someone hears it, it multiplies. Like Jesus explains all of this. In fact, you've probably even heard this parable before. And I know for me, I've, I've read this parable, and for me, I always try to put myself in the stories when I'm reading the Bible and how I can apply this to my life. And I, and I look through, and I'm thinking, okay, so I always want to be the person who hears the, who's the good soil, right? That hears the word and understands it. But let's go beyond that. Let's go a little deeper. I'm talking specifically to Christians right now, specifically to those who call yourself a follower of Christ. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, you've already heard the word, or you've already understood it. Let's go beyond it. If we call ourselves a follower of Christ, understand this. In this story, you are the farmer. You're the sower. You're the one with the seed. You're the one that has to throw the seed out. And if you look at it, this farmer threw the seed out sparing. He threw it out completely into every place he went to. No matter what, no matter what the path was, no matter what the soil was, he continued to throw the seed out. And if we call ourselves a Christians, what we have to do is we have to continue to, to throw the seed out, to continue to invite, to continue to bring, continue to share with others. Yes, yeah, some might land on the path. Some might land on some rocky ground. Some might land on some thorns. But again, some might land on some good soil. But we have to throw it. God has a brilliant strategy to reach our city, and we are it. But to be it, we have to throw the seed. Think about it. Think about if we did it. Think about if we continue to do it. Someone could say yes, right? Someone could say yes to Jesus, and lives could be changed because of it. Some of that seed could fall on good soil, right? It could multiply. It could multiply and produce a crop and, and yield, a, a yield 60, 100, or 30 times more, right? It could yield more than we could ever imagine. There's generations that could be changed all because we are willing to share our story. In fact, as I look around and I looked at some people in the church, there was, there was multiple people who lived this out. In first service alone, we had multiple people that, that you start with one and you could trickle down to why all first service is even here. In fact, the same things here, you could look back and say, man, somebody invited me. Right? Somebody invited me, and because of that, I've invited others. Because of that, my family's now coming. Because of that, I've invited people who've made a decision for Christ. Right? This is what happens. This is what happens when we throw it out there and we begin to throw seed. It changes things. And here's what's, here's what's true, too. We become personally fulfilled because of it. Because regardless, regardless of who you are, this is your calling. Regardless of who you are, regardless of, of whether you're a teacher, regardless of whether you're, you're a construction worker, regardless of whether you're a pastor, we're all called to share the news of Jesus. And we're not going to be fulfilled until we do. Lives will be changed, and our lives will be changed as well. Think about it. Imagine what could happen. And nothing brings more life to a body than new blood. And for the body of Christ, that's new believers. That's people changing their life, experiencing life change, all because someone simply invited them. What if we saw that in the church? Right, what if we saw that in Life Change Church? But what if we saw that in the church around Big C? Right, what if more people got involved? What if the church was, was known for being a place where, where people were welcomed and loved and where people truly walked out differently because of it? That's what happens when we throw some seed on a good soil. But you have to throw it. You have to put your mind and yourself in the mindset of the farmer. We have to throw some seed. So here's how we do this. 
Here's how we really reach our community right now, this week even. Here's how we become a farmer. We have to invest, invite, and include. I'm going to simplify evangelism for us that we can just take this away and we can put this really in place in our lives right now. We invest, we invite, and we include. So let's talk to this. Talk through what investing means. Investing means this. It means that we connect with those that are already in our circle of influence. We spend time, we intentionally connect with those who are already in our circle of influence. I mean, think about it. God puts you where you are for a reason. God puts you in your workplace for a reason. Puts you in your family, in your neighborhood for a reason. So that you could, connect, so that you would have the circle of influence. And we're called to invest in that circle of influence. So think about it right now. Think about who's in your circle of influence. Again, this could be people that you work with. This could be some of your friends. This could be some of your neighbors. This could be the parents of, of your kids' friends. This could be people that, that your kids play ball with, the parents of them, right? This could be people that, this could be your family. This could be people that you, you do business with, that you, you have interactions with, right? Who's your circle of influence? These are people that already may know you and may even trust you already as well. Who are people that God's placed in your life around you? And think about this. How can you connect with them better? How can you invest in them? Maybe for you, maybe, maybe you've got a small circle of influence, but you've got a lot of people on the outside. Maybe as you hear this, and you, for you to invest is really to, to bring some people into that circle, to bring people closer in. Right? And this is how you do it. You have to spend time with them. You have to spend time with others. We have to spend time with people. I want to challenge you to spend time with those in your circle of influence and those just on the outside of it, specifically the ones that don't know Jesus. And let's be intentional about this, and let's use our life to point them towards Jesus. So I want to challenge you, invest in them, spend time with them, invite them over for a barbecue, invite them over for, for a game night, right? But spend time with them and be intentional about it. Spend time with them and allow your relationship with them to point them to Christ. Invest in them. Another part of investment is actually praying for people. I want to challenge you to pray for those. Pray for those in your circle of influence that don't know Jesus. Right? Start praying for them. Pray specifically for them. Again, if you're spending time with them, you get to know them a little bit more. You know their needs. You know their desires. You know the things that they're going through. You know their struggles. Begin praying for them. Praying for those situations to lead them to Jesus. Right? Create a prayer list with their names on it. Pray for them each and every day. And listen, as a church, I want us to understand this. Before we pray more for people, we need to pray more for people. Right? Before we pray for more people, we need to pray more for people. And the same isn't true in our life. And we need to be praying for and investing in them. So think about it. who can you invest in this week. Invest and then invite. Now invite's the big one, right? This is the one where, where typically we look at it and we freeze up. This is the one that, that, that's very, it causes the, the fear to rise up in us. Because when we invite someone, what we have to do is we actually have to make the ask. We have to ask somebody. But I want you to understand this. The invite is always easier after the investment. After we invest, it's always easier to invite. So invest and then invite. Make the ask. Invite some friends. Invite some coworkers. Invite some family members. Invite them to a place where they can meet Jesus. And for us, that's church. Listen, I make a promise to you that every week, every week I preach, I will give an opportunity for someone to make a decision for Christ. I'll make that promise to you. If you make that promise to invite, to invest and then invite. I'm going to challenge you to, to bring people. Ask, right? We have to invite. 
Again, you don't need to preach. You don't have to give them a turn and, and burn message. The truth is you don't even have to like, you, all, what you need to do is you just need to say, hey, I go to church, why don't you come with me? It's that simple. I think for many of us, we feel like we have to have it theologically correct and say, this is exactly how Jesus' life lived. This is why it was this. And we just regurgitate all this on somebody. Listen, you're going to overwhelm. The best thing for you to do is just share. I go to church. I gave my life to Jesus when I was whatever. And this is what I was before. This is what I'm like now. I'm not perfect. I'm still a work in progress. Obviously, you see that. We're friends, right? You're in my circle of influence. I'm investing in you, invest in me. But at the same time, I'm getting better. Why don't you come get better with me? It's easy. It's that easy. I want to challenge you to invite. Invite. Give others the opportunity to know Jesus. Think about when's the last time you did that? When's the last time you invited someone to a place to meet Jesus? It's time to start. Listen, we want to help you. You didn't know this. We have these cards out at the Connect Desk each and every week. They're simple. I would challenge you to take take a stack of these. Have them in your back pocket. But give them out, right? Just say, hey, if, if you're talking with somebody, give this to them. That way you don't have to remember all the service times. You don't have to remember all the details. You don't have to remember what our, what our website is or, or what our address is, right? It's all on here for you. All you have to do is say, come with me. Here's a card. Come with me, right? I'll challenge you. Take some cards. Personally invite somebody today. Listen, if, if, you're, if you're a little bit shy and maybe for you, maybe a huge step was to take one of these and actually mail it. It's the size of a postcard. You can mail it. Maybe for you it's to do that. And right? I challenge you to invite Again, we have this incredible resource called social media. Invite people on social media. It's a soft invite. It's easy, but listen, we can do it. In fact, right now, I'm going to challenge you. Take your phone out. We'll go just take your phone out in church. It's okay. Go to Facebook. Go to Life Changes, web, Life Changes site. Okay, quit scrolling Facebook. Now go to Life Changes site. ADD people like me. Check in. Check into Life Change right now and say, hey, join me next week. Right? Jump on there. Say, join me next week. You can do that right now with your phones out. Again, if you're on our site, we actually have an event coming up for, for uh, September 16th, which is our fourth birthday. You can go into that event and you can actually invite your friends. I'll challenge you to invite. Use social media, right? It's an easy way. It's an easy first step, but invite. And then last, don't just end and invite. I think too many times we go to the investment, then we invite, but we don't include we need to include others. Invest, invite, and include. Last week I talked about how we all play a part, but if we all play a part, what we have to do is we have to include everybody that plays a part. And it goes beyond just us. It goes beyond us that are just in this room. Listen, Life Change Church is not done growing. Life Change Church is not done now. There's people that aren't sitting here that will need to be included, and we play a part in including others. I think when we go someplace, one of our biggest fears is that feeling of, of not being included. That fear doesn't just stop with us. Others feel that way too. So we have to include. We invest, we invite, and then we include. And we all have the power to include. So think about it. Think about those people in, in your circle of influence that, that maybe you hang out with. Think about a way that you can connect them with your church friends. Think about a way that you can connect them with the people that you serve. Think about a way that you can connect them with the people that you do life groups with, right? Don't leave anybody out. Let's play a part in actually keeping people together and including people. Think about it for you. How can you include others? Maybe for you, that's to, to bring them in your conversations. Listen, at church here, we have a, we have a, a, a goal and a kind of a, a rule with our serve team is that we have no closed circles. Meaning that if, you standing, if you're standing around talking, then there better be a gap enough for other people to walk into that conversation. I go so far as to say, if somebody comes in that conversation and closes it out, one of the people needs to bounce. One of the people needs to bounce and leave, right? 
They need to come there. Okay, cool, I'm out. And you just kind of remove yourself. That way the circles stay open so that we can include people. I challenge you to include people. We need to invest, we need to invite, and we need to include. God has a brilliant strategy for us to reach this city, and we are it. But what we have to do is we have to step up and we have to play our part. Right? This is how the kingdom of God grows. This is how the church grows. This is how the church big C grows. And eternal life is at stake. Right? Salvations are on the line. So it's time for us. It's time for us to throw some seeds. It's time for us, instead of looking at ourselves as, as just takers, bringing in the words, it's time for us to look at, at ourselves as the farmers and to begin to throw the seed. It's time for us to share our story, to share our testimony, and play a part in the strategy. Think about it right now. Who can you invest in this week? Who can you invite this week? And who can you include? As we close, if you would, pull out the connection card and the seat back in front of you. I want to challenge you to think through this. Maybe here today, and maybe God's asking you, maybe God's asking you to invest in somebody. Maybe for you, that's the first step. Maybe you never realized that God put you where you are on purpose. He never put you in that circle. You never realized that he put you in that, that circle of, of influence that you have. He never, you never realized that he put you there on purpose. And it's time to, to look at that in a different perspective. It's time to look at that as a way to invest in those people. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to invest. Maybe God's asking you to invest. If that's what he's doing, I challenge you to write it down. Maybe God's asking you to invite somebody. Maybe you've had your circle of influence, but your circle of influence doesn't even know that you're a Christian yet. Maybe it's time to step up. Maybe it's time to tell them. And maybe it's time to invite them. And maybe, it's, maybe for you, maybe it's time to include and take that next step. I challenge you to write whatever God's asking you to do. Write that down and then live that out. And then there's also a place where maybe you're here today, and maybe you just feel the invitation to follow Jesus, to make him your Lord and Savior. Maybe here today, maybe, maybe this is the first time, or maybe it's the first time it really settled in that, that you learned that, that God loves you so much that he gave his son for you to die on a cross, to pay an ultimate penalty for our sins so that you could be connected with God and be forgiven. Listen, if that's you, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to make that commitment. Check mark that box that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Christ. There's also a place for a prayer request as well. If you would, take a moment to, to fill those cards out so that we can partner with you wherever you are in your journey and we can partner with you in prayer. Fill those out and get any ties or offering ready and I'll be up in just a moment to explain the next steps. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.